Welcome to the 100 Entrepreneurs Podcast, created to provide veterans and their family members with information, ideas, and inspiration for starting new businesses. This is Amanda Weathersby for 100 Entrepreneurs Foundation. We talk with entrepreneurs and small business experts to learn more about their industries and their lessons learned in creating and growing new businesses. Thank you for joining us. Hi, I'm here today with Les Owen, veteran and documentary filmmaker. Welcome, Les. I'm so glad to have you here. Thanks, Amanda. I'm glad to be here. Les, you've written, produced, and directed a great documentary film that is now available on Amazon and iTunes and various other media distribution channels. First of all, could you tell us about the film itself and what, what is it about? Well, the name of the film is Victory Remembered, Legacy of the Black Devils. And it's about a secret commando unit that fought in Italy and France during World War II. The unit's official name was the First Special Service Force. Uh, they were the grandfathers of uh, the Green Beret and Special Forces that we, we know and love today. Um, and they became infamously known as the Black Devils, uh, which was a name given to them by the Nazis, who were very fearful of their nighttime attacks. Because they were a secret organization, um, they didn't talk about their service after the war very much. And a lot of people don't know much about them, although at, in ways they've heard about them. There was a film made in the 60s called The Devil's Brigade, which was about their first combat mission. And it was, you know, it's very stylized. It was shot in the 60s, and um, uh, it's very Hollywood. So they, of course, take a lot of liberties. But um, they are, um, again, the film tells the story of their origins, where they trained in Helena, Montana, where they fought in Europe and some of their engagements there. Uh, and it also tells a story of the effect, or again, their legacy of uh, the people that they rescued, the families that they affected, and even beyond the war, some of the experiences that uh, those families continued to um, discover about themselves uh, through these men. Hmm. Wonderful. Uh, and by the way, I have seen the movie, and it is lovely and terrific. <laughs> Just that oh, thank I. you so much. <laughs> Appreciate that. Um, okay. All right. So uh, could you tell us now about your background? How did in the world did you become a documentary filmmaker? Well, again, I, I, I took the long way to get there. Uh, I started late in life, uh, relatively speaking, uh, becoming a filmmaker. My background is in music. I'm a saxophonist. And I studied music at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia. I got a music ed degree and then a master's degree in saxophone and was making a, a living professionally um, as I finished school and was deciding whether to go into teaching or figure out what I was going to do to make a living as a musician. And I had an opportunity to audition for one of the special bands in Washington, D.C., one of the military bands. I'd never considered joining the military, but uh, I... I wanted to find out what it was about and uh, get the audition experience. So I auditioned for a group called the Jazz Ambassadors, and I got that job, which was fantastic. But in order to do that, I had to join the Army, which I had never even considered. But after hearing the band and, and sort of spending a little bit of time with musicians that play on that level, I got pretty excited about it. So I was certainly happy to, to do what I needed to do to have that job. And that's where my military career began. Then later, 
I was there for like six years. I joined in 83, so I was there from 83 to 89. And then right after that, I um, uh, auditioned again for the band in Washington, D.C., which is the United States Army Band, also known as Pershing's Own. And um, during my career as a musician in the Army, um, along the way, I made a decision that surprised my family um, and, and, and honestly myself as well. I felt the pull to become a filmmaker. Uh, so I began the process of learning to shoot and edit, and that led me to starting my own videography company. And eventually, um, I became the video producer for the Army Band while I was still in the band as a player. I love documentaries for a lot of reasons, and anyone can get started as a filmmaker by shooting documentaries. It's just a matter of finding a story that you want to tell. And I love storytelling. And I find myself always keeping an eye out for uh, stories that strike me as, as meaningful or just deserving of recognition, something that uh, people, I want people to know about. So that's mm-hmm. how that all came about. Well, that's great. And describe for me, uh, in, when you had a videography company, you were producing mm-hmm. videos for and about the band. Is that correct? Yes. Um, I mean, the two, I mean, nobody in the band really knew what I was doing with the, the, the video portion of my life, and it was just something that I was trying to build and create. But the opportunity came along to start producing some things for the band to use in a variety of ways. Um, primarily, it was um, what they found most useful was um, uh, content that they could use during concerts. And very, you know, if you go to a concert nowadays, often there's going to be a screen uh, with images or a film or something that you know goes along with the music in some way, and it enhances the audience experience. And everybody's trying to compete with audiences, so they want to make it as as interesting as possible. So the band very quickly adopted that as as their way of operating. They they wanted media. They wanted something that people could see in addition to, to hearing the band. So mm-hmm. I began doing those sort of things as well as archiving events, telling stories within the band, um, and promotional stuff that they would use for social media or on, their, uh, on the band's website. It, you know, all sorts of uses that everybody finds for, for videos these days. The band mm-hmm. decided we're going, going this direction to the point okay. where eventually they created a full-time position and offered me that job. Mm. So I was grateful. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Great practice as well. So what gave you the idea to make this film? Um, Well, I'll be honest, I had been in the Army for probably 25 years when this idea uh, came across uh, my table, so to speak. And I had never heard of the Black Devils or the First Special Service Force. Now, I was was in ceremonial band, so I was um, regularly doing playing ceremonies in Arlington Cemetery or around Washington, D.C., either mm-hmm. celebrating the, the achievements of veterans groups or crossing paths with various veterans groups. And I had never heard of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, come to find out that they, they were a secret organization during the war, and uh, they didn't really talk about it much. So not a lot of publicity there that people would know about. But thanks to Facebook, um, a, an old friend of mine and I reconnected, and uh, he and I had been uh, in band together as kids. And 
he tells me that he's coming to Washington, D.C. to play bagpipes. Hmm. That he had picked up bagpipes and had joined this local band in Helena, Montana. And they were the band associated with this veterans group for the first special service force. Again, I'd never heard of them. But they were coming to Washington, D.C. for their annual reunion. And they were also coming to promote um, the idea of getting these guys awarded the Congressional Gold Medal for their service in World War II. He was telling me this, but again, it didn't ring any bells. I didn't know anything about these guys. So uh, when they came to town, I met up with him. And quite honestly, what my goal was, and again, it's that filmmaker mentality that's always there. I took a small camera with me because I thought it would be nice for them, my friend and his bagpipe buddies, to have some sort of a documentation of their visit because I knew they were going Mm -hmm. to the Canadian embassy and a few other things and just make it fun for them. And again, it's something I don't know anything about. So I thought it would be fun. Mm-hmm. Well, when I, when I meet up with him, I am standing around the lobby of the hotel and I'm seeing these veterans and they're setting up for their reunion. And of course I get very curious and start asking my friend to tell me more about them. And he introduces me to a couple of the veterans and the, the uh, people that uh, run the organization. And I, I honestly, I felt a little ashamed that I didn't know more about them. Uh, and because I quickly realized that these, these guys were heroes, as most of our World War II veterans are. But, I mean, these guys did extraordinary things, and I was learning more and more. So I kind of turned my attention, in addition to the, the bagpipers, to some of these veterans and started chatting with them and asked them if I could interview them, talking to the organizers to tell me who they were, why they were there, to make the to put a little meaningful uh, video together for everybody at that point for, the, for their reunion and the trip. And that was how I was introduced to the first special service force and was the, sort of the beginning of a film that I had no idea I'd be making. <laughs> the seed yeah. had been planted, however. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, well, how long did it take before the seed became a project? Well, um, when I made this little film for them, uh, I discovered that they were, well, they were very appreciative because, as I mentioned, they were uh, engaged in efforts to get the Congressional Gold Medal awarded to these veterans. And they ended up using my film because I kind of told their story a little bit in this because Mm -hmm. I quickly did some research Oh, and I wanted to give it some content that would have more meaning for them. So it really was just a short little, like, they visited Washington, but here's who these guys are. And they ended up using that as um, one of the resources that they would share with people to get uh, support. Yeah. So they became appreciative of my efforts, and we became friends through this. I became more yeah. interested in the, the veterans that I had met and was in contact with them. And then... I was told that the next year they would be going back to Italy and France to um, sort of retrace the steps of their, many of their battles and their travels while they were in Europe um, for the 70th anniversary of the liberation of Rome. And they were going to be there on the 70th anniversary. And they joked and they said, boy, we'd love to have you come along and document this story. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of funny because – I mean, sometimes things are, they're just 
sat right in front of you. Uh-huh. And if you see it, then you realize all this comes down to is me making a decision. You know, if I decide to do this, then I have to figure out how to do it. And I thought I was uniquely qualified uh, mm-hmm. given the circumstances, how I've been put in this position, my background in the military. And, uh, and, and I knew that I could do this for them and they didn't have the resources to make it happen. But I really mm-hmm. felt compelled to make it happen. That's great. Well, uh, so making it happen sounds pretty easy, but there's this funny little thing called funding it. You know, how did you yes. do that? <laughs> well, again, a lot of these were firsts for me, even though I've been practicing and shooting and editing for, I don't know, I guess about 10 years at that point. But uh, I'd never needed to raise funds for a project before, uh, but I had helped other people um, through Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had friends that um, needed money for a variety of projects, uh, and uh, Kickstarter requires that you have a video that you post to help sell the idea. I mean, they want you to succeed, so they they say, this is going to work, but you're going to need a video to let people know really what the story is. So I had to figure out how to uh, uh, take advantage of Kickstarter and um, produce a video telling what was going on, who these guys were, what the plans were, and how people could help. So uh, I did that and posted it on Facebook, and I sent out emails. And there was a minimum that I calculated I would need to cover my cost, really, to get to Europe and to buy a couple of pieces of gear, fly around the country a little bit to do some of these interviews. I wanted to do interviews before we went to kind of set the story up. And uh, I was successful enough to raise the money to accomplish all of that through Kickstarter. So it was really a bunch of people contributing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. And I understand that that's pretty low percentage that actually succeed in Kickstarter. So that's great. Fortunately, I never look at that sort of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations anyway. (laughs) Thank you. so uh, I imagine that there were a lot of people involved in the process of making this film. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Different people uh, kind of come along and serve in different ways. Certainly all the contributors stepped right up immediately. I have to recognize, you know, what they did to make this happen. It would never have happened without that funding. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my friendships um, that brought me into this, they ended up being a um, – uh, an important role as, as for example, when, when I would travel, if I went to Helena, which is where these guys trained, and I went there to shoot footage and help tell that part of the story, um, I was able to stay with them. They drove me around. They introduced me to people and, uh, and things I couldn't have done, you know, without that sort of help. The organizers that run the organization, the veterans, their family members, um, all the people that we met in Italy and France that uh, were... Really, everyone, everyone is involved in this because they love these guys. Because yeah. historically, the people that I met, these guys like literally saved their lives and, and, and their families' lives and liberating them from the Nazis. So there's, um, again, the, it's in the title, Legacy. This is, their legacy is about um, or, or has led to these uh, so many people that appreciate what they've done and love them and admire them. So there were lots of people that wanted to step up and help along every step of the way 
So mm-hmm. hundreds of people, I would have to say. Wow. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. That's terrific. Um, so in, in you went through quite a process. And is, are, did you need a script or did you need – what did you need? What were the components that you needed to produce a documentary film? Well, you have to start – you have to think in terms of what your story is going to be. And I actually went through some changes uh, in that regard. The original working title of the film was The Black Devil's Victory Remembered, which I was, I was happy with that title. I'd have, I'd have, I figured I would remain um, – that, that title would be the one that I would use. But in the course of shooting – now, this is after I've already been to Helena, Montana. Again, I shot their facilities. I had uh, a, a, two of the sons of veterans from that unit that told, helped me help tell the story. So I had them on camera telling the story on the locations where these guys trained. Um, and then when I started traveling with them in Europe and getting to know the families, and they have to warm up to you. I mean, they have to be willing to kind of open up because it – very quickly becomes very emotional for these guys mm-hmm. and, uh, and the kids too. So uh, over the course of that time and, and we became better friends and they'd opened up with me, I realized that the story was more, uh, it was not just about their accomplishments in Europe and helping to win the war. It really was about their legacy and mm-hmm. um, the, the patriotism. Oh, by the way, and I'm so sorry I didn't mention this before because it's yeah, really important. Right. I don't want to not mention it. This mm-hmm. was the first combined U.S. and Canadian combat unit. Mm. So this was just not just Americans. This was Americans and Canadians equally involved in this particular operation. Mm-hmm. I failed to mention that right up front, but uh, that's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, what that did to bring these people together and the group today, the First Special Service Force Association, refers to themselves as the Force Family, and it's equally Canadian and American. And these people don't—they don't see any difference when it comes to talking about uh, uh, these guys, these veterans. Mm-hmm. And you'll—I mean, if you see the film, you'll learn very quickly that they—they they got beyond that uh, that border pretty early on in the in their, in their training, and they became one unit working together. Mm-hmm. So that makes it even more special. But getting back to it's their legacy and how they have affected villages, towns, um, governments, uh, generations of of people um, in addition to their own families that somehow they they make us appreciative of their their, um, special contribution and and special examples that they set um, for us as soldiers and as men and as uh, dads and granddads and uncles. So it, it's a long story and it's not over. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so you've actually, you came to our class at a hundred entrepreneurs class and talked to the folks about the movie at one point, but you, uh, since then you have, reached all sorts of distribution channels, and I would love you to tell us about that. How, how do you distribute a movie, <laughs> a documentary film, uh, and what, what did you have to go through to get that to happen? Again, very lucky. 
one of my Kickstarter uh, contributors had experience in producing films, and he had been involved in several other projects previously, uh, big big motion pictures actually, and he was one of these guys that he actually checked in on Kickstarter now and then to see if there were any projects that he might personally be interested in. So um, he lives in a town called Ephrata, Pennsylvania. And um, it's a small town, but very, very supportive of the military, and especially the World War II vets. Um, so that caught his eye, and he was curious, and he contributed. And as things were going, he reached out to me and said, Les, you know, and again, I don't know him from Adam. He said, uh, I have some experience here, and I'd be happy to help you promote this when the film is finished. Just let me know what to do. So I did reach out to him based on that offer, and uh, he has done many things. He helped me get a screening in Ephrata, which is one of the first screenings I had when the film was produced. We actually had one of the Black Devils there uh, in attendance. And then he said um, he had some uh, some leads on people that uh, or some companies that would help me distribute it if I wanted to. So we reached out to them, and there was – there's a process there, but these are um, Life Size Entertainment is the name of the company that I eventually decided to go with. And they, I mean, I don't know how to do any of this. So they take the film, they ask things of me, I give them information, and they set it up to be distributed online as a streaming video. So yeah. Amazon Prime, uh, as you mentioned, iTunes and a bunch of others uh, have it on there as part of their libraries. So people can go and download it, and uh, they, you can even rent it or buy it. So um, that was something I didn't know anything about and I had no experience with. But you never know when you're in this process uh, who's going to step up and give you some information that's going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's early on in the process. I don't know how far-reaching it's been. I do know that it is showing on cable stations in um, uh, Canada and the U.S., so in addition to yeah, in addition to going to a website, it's actually va- available on cable television around the country oh, as well. Great. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, well, a quick question. So where do you need to take it next? I mean, is there a next step beyond the distribution so far? You know, actually, this film is a little unique in that um, it it serves as a good history tool. Mm-hmm. And um, I've, I've uh, <laughs> anybody will tell you if they've shot a film, they're going to have a lot of footage left over that they couldn't use in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, the version that's streaming online is 55 minutes long. And that's television length for a feature documentary, one hour. Mm-hmm. My personal favorite version is happens to be 65 minutes long. So I've, kept that as short as possible. The DVD is a director's cut, and that's like 90 minutes long. Okay? Mm-hmm. So you see where I'm going. There are a lot of yeah. versions, and they get long. I ended up, uh-huh. actually, before I started editing it down, with about three hours of good, solid story about a whole bunch of things that I thought was valuable. And the, the people associated with this, these guys also uh, appreciated. So... Mm-hmm. What I've done, and it's on my website, which, if you don't mind me plugging it, no, is, um, please. <laughs> it's, it's www.victoryremembered.com. 
mm-hmm. easy to find. Uh, and if you go there, you're going to see the uh, I have a I have a blog page and all sorts of media stuff that uh, help that I've put there to help promote the film. But most recently, and due to all the footage that I had, I decided to go back and the chapters and the sections and the scenes that I whittled down to tell the story as efficiently as possible, I, I went back and re-edited them, made them as fat as I could but with, the good, with the stuff that I didn't want to cut, but I knew was beautiful and people would love it, um, and made individual chapters. Hmm. So what I have created, in addition to a film, is a, what I refer to as a video library. Because the goal here is to use this as a, as a tool to let people know about these guys, and people that become interested can get a, a full education, if they want, by looking on this page and finding out uh, about the trip and about their, their service and their training and their widows and the, uh, their brides telling their stories and, and all, of, all of those things. And they're divided up into actual um, digestible chapters from two minutes to 10 minutes with the titles and descriptions. So it's really becoming, and and actually they just had a reunion recently where they used a a bunch of these chapters in a uh, a presentation where they had discussion, they had the veterans there, they would show one of the chapters and then discuss, they'd go from there. So it makes Mm -hmm. it a very usable tool, very flexible in a classroom setting, um, or a lecture setting where if there's an aspect of this story that you're interested in, you can focus on that and you don't have to try to glean that from the film itself. Well, so yeah, this is, that, that, that's yeah. where this is going. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I still, I'm still hoping to get some, I mean, I've got other screening presentations uh, on my calendar that I'm looking forward to. So mm-hmm. I, I, I just yeah. want to keep telling the story and, and uh, help people learn about these guys. Oh Yeah. Oh, this is great. It's amazing. Thank <laughs> I you. love that idea. You basically got a series. You know, everything's a series now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And well, you this broke has kind of gotten out series. of hand. I'm, I'm, I'll end up with about 60 chapters when it's all over. But, again, it's, it's just a click. If you go to the website and you find them, you see a title that, goes, that strikes your curiosity, you click on it, and then you've got, you know, that little chapter. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Thanks. Well, so... Um, um, What's the, what are the most difficult things about doing what you do? Is, is, there, is there something that's the greatest hurdle of all? I mean, there are probably a million hurdles, but is there something in particular? Well, um, challenge. Maybe we should use challenge, yeah. What is yeah, the no, challenge? No, no, I, I think everybody would understand your, your question there. Um, I, guess it, it has, I guess it has to do with your personality, because for me, once I commit to a project, um, I, I, I tend not to focus on the difficulties. I figure I just have to do the next step to make this happen. And mm-hmm. as I bump into things, I deal with it. So they're all the same to me, whether it was raising the money or making sure my camera batteries were charged. I'll tell you <laughs> what, in, in this particular project, I'll tell you what was the hardest. Huh. There was no break for me as a shooter and a producer and editor doing it all by myself. I mean, I certainly can appreciate when you've got a team of people that have 
specific responsibilities. You get a chance to, to breathe now and then. But when we were traveling, and this includes being on the buses with them as well, because I have to be ready to shoot. I have to have my camera ready. If somebody wants to talk about something, I have to be there mm-hmm. to, to get that. So I was constantly the first one off the bus, jumping out, setting stuff up, and shooting. Mm-hmm. Last one on the bus. When these guys would stop for their meals and their dinners, I would have to be shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were going to go wander around or do something or talk, I, you know, I was doing that, setting up interviews, and also try to plan ahead as for what I was going to be able to shoot and the logistics of getting to the top of a mountain by foot <laughs> and uh, being able to shoot once I got up there. So um, it was the, the constant uh, shooting that was difficult. In addition to when I would get back to the hotel, I would have to download all of my footage from the day because mm. I didn't have an endless supply of, of uh, card, memory cards and, and that sort of thing. And I wanted to be able mm-hmm. to keep track and make sure everything I was shooting was looking good. So you have to download it and you have to review it. So you're shooting all day. You're doing that when you get back to the hotel till, when, till whenever you're done. And that, it was a, I was there for two weeks. So I would have to say the physical, that physical aspect of it was probably my biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you kind of have to take a deep breath and, and move forward on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's what they talk about. Uh, entrepreneurs have to wear multiple hats. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and it never seems to stop. That's interesting. Yeah. Right. yeah. Well, now, are you going to uh, – well, first, is, is filmmaking a profitable venture, do you think? Well, you know, I think it's the same as any other industry. There's going to be a percentage that is uh, going to be successful, and a lot of people that mm-hmm. try that won't be, won't be successful. Um, well, you know, when I went in, when I became a musician, it wasn't about me making money. It was about me doing what I loved. And the same mm-hmm. thing with, uh, becoming a filmmaker, you try to be smart. You want to be successful. You want people to recognize it and appreciate it. And hopefully that leads to, uh, I don't know, some sort of financial gain is always a good thing, but, um, I, I'm not sure that I would, uh, I would uh, set it up as a surefire money-making career. Mm. I mean, there are, certain, there are certain people take jobs in the real world in order to ensure that they have the income to you know, support their families and whatnot. Something like this requires a big investment up front, time-wise and emotionally, and a willingness to be patient and, uh, and wait to see what happens on the other side. I think anybody that's an entrepreneur understands that. You know, you've, you've got to have an idea that you're excited about and uh, willing to take some risks, willing to take chances, willing to put in the, the work and um, try to be smart about it. Look at things that you can do better. Uh, look around you. Take advice. <laughs> All of those mm-hmm. things that uh, can help you be more successful. And uh, you never know. I mean, you just don't know if you have something that's commercially viable or just simply an artistic expression that you know, you enjoy, mm, interesting. you know, it, it, but the, it's, it's got to mean something to you. You have to love it, whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to make another film? I'm sure I will. Um, I've <laughs> talked to a couple of people about uh, some projects on the horizon uh-huh. and uh, I have a couple of personal things that I'd like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say this is going to 
keep happening, <laughs> whether, right. I, keep whether I like it or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. We really look forward to the next one, so that's good. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, so, uh, so this has been wonderful. Thank you so much, Les. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's always great to talk to you. And we look pleasure. forward to having you come to our uh, class again this fall. This is very exciting. And I, and I would I'm like you to, to tell everybody, uh, be, uh, once again, your website, please. <laughs> it's victoryremembered.com. Right. Pretty okay, simple. Good. And there's lots, okay. lots there to explore, so uh, take your time. <laughs> okay. Terrific. Good. Well, then we'll see you in, I think it's October. Is that correct? Yes. Great. All right. Thanks so much again. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Amanda.